heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Well, hey there, Growth Junkies. Ben Boast uh, with you again here in studio and Kent Delhuse sitting across from me as we are back again on the Growth Junkies podcast to discuss with you popular topics. There are a lot of popular topics today, things like COVID, popular things. But I would say one of the one of the most popular things to discuss in the world I won't talk about yet because we're going to spend an entire podcast. I'm going to talk about the next most popular thing beneath that. It's become very famous in the last oh, five years or so. Sparkling flavored water, Kent. Oh, you are doing this. Yes. Um, and some of these sparkling flavored waters. This is not an advertisement, by the way. But we do enjoy our sparkling flavored water here at the Growth Junkies, either LaCroix or Bubbly. LaCroix has a flavor called Pamplemousse. And we're debating what that is. What we, we know. It means. Grapefruit. Right. But, but where does it come from? Pamplemousse sounds really weird. What is a Pamplemousse anyway? Brad? And why did they choose to put it on the can? Yeah. Well, first of all, this is America and it says sparkling water. That's the essence. So the rest of it's English, but pamplemousse, I guess, is French. I have no idea. But it's a weird French word. Because I don't know French. really weird. Pamplemousse. So if there's a growth junkie listener out there who enjoys LaCroix for themselves on occasion and knows what, where pamplemousse comes from, please yeah. reach out to us and tell us. I've never had my wife bring home, you know, like, you know, food from the store and fruit. It, it was a pamplemousse. Mm. Hey, honey, I brought you up. <laughs> I've got a pample mousse. That would be funny. That would be really weird. It would be. Okay, honey, speak English. Yeah, it would be weird. So I don't know what pample mousse is. It tastes good, but I'm going to be honest with you, Mm. man. The reason I drink this is because my wife wants me to drink more water. Mm -hmm. And I just do not like flat water. So I have to drink the sparkly kind because it just tastes better. Well, there are people out there who would argue that um, it's not good for you to drink sparkling water because of the carbonation. Oh, baloney. Come that on. It, that it actually is not good for your bones. There's all kinds of theories out there. Yeah, but you know, here's the we're thing. Not gonna go di- we're not going to drill down on this today. We're all going to die from something. <laughs> so pick your poison. Listen, if I die from having too much carbonation, so be it. Yeah. Okay. But it's water. It's water. Mm-hmm. So what I don't understand is why I have to pay money for it. Because it's water. Yeah. But Flavored water money. with essences. So I'm paying for the pamplemousse. Yes. So, so the, the 50 cents per can or whatever it is, is for <laughs> it the could be pretty expensive. The drop of pamplemousse. Right. Wow. What a ripoff. Well, I'm okay. glad we covered that. So uh, that was I know the that's, second most important thing. Yeah, I know that's exactly why you tuned in to listen today. So <laughs> w- what we're going to do is cover what is probably one of the most popular and, and important things in the world ever. And we've talked about it various times here on this show. It's a big thing for us at the Love and Transformation Institute. And today we're going to talk about love. Amazing. Very surprising, isn't it? Surprising that at the Love and Transformation Institute, we're going to talk about <laughs> love. And but today we're going to get into it in a in an inch from an interesting vantage point because uh, we've done various podcasts throughout the last couple of years discussing this topic and the role that it plays in our lives. But we want to access it from a different viewpoint. We want to make sure that we are clear about what we're facing today when we set out to define love. Last podcast, 
we talked about the fact that um, fear really has to respond to love and that love can cast fear out. Yeah, the love is more powerful than fear. Right, and this yeah. is as we're going through our new book, Mega Life, How to Live Without Fear, we're addressing these topics as we move through the days. So now we've come to day six, mm-hmm. and we're going to discuss the issues that we encounter when we set out to define love. Because we say, yes, love can cast fear out, but what is it that we're actually talking about? Yeah. Yeah, because we live in a world in which you actually, if you asked a thousand people what love is, you get a thousand different answers. Right. And a lot of people will simply say, well, it's whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit confusing. It may be difficult to actually define love. We live in a world that doesn't want to define it. Yeah. And a cultural uh, mantra that's used on a regular basis today is love is love. Love is love. I like that helps. I don't actually know what that means. It doesn't mean anything, Ben. It, it means something to someone somewhere. It's like saying a pencil is a pencil. Like you're, you're defining it. a Kleenex is a Kleenex. Yeah. That doesn't help at all. It's it's kind of a broad appeal that we know what they're talking about. Well, it means that you can define it any way you want. That's basically fill in the blank. Love is just love and it's different for everybody. And some of what we're going to do here today is, is walk you all through the process of how we got here mm-hmm. with this issue of, of love being referred to in that way. Right. And we're going to start with our friend, the dictionary, like we do on a lot of other podcasts when it comes to talking about words, because words have meaning mm-hmm. and we should talk about what they mean. And Webster has something to say about yes. that. And, yeah. and love is an interesting one on this topic because our love is interesting on this because when you go to the dictionary, you get a lot of different definitions for love. Oh, yeah. In other ancient language, in other languages and ancient languages, a lot of times they would have multiple words to refer to and define love, Mm -hmm. different aspects of love. We don't have that level of convenience (laughs) in the English language. We have one word to refer to everything from a passionate affection for a person or thing, Mm -hmm. which is literally the first, if you had to take the first three definitions in the dictionary, you'd have that passionate affection for a person or thing. Uh, Sexual intercourse would be another one. And then you keep going down the list and eventually you get to uh, number 13, Hmm. right? Which is a score of zero in tennis. That's right. Love means you have nothing. Yeah. So, and you also, Ben, I mean, we can actually say like, I... I love my pamplemousse. <laughs> now, that might be a different kind of love than if I was to say, I love my son, right? That was, or I, I love a cheeseburger. I love your new curtains. I love your car. I love mustard. Mm, I mean, the yeah. fact is we use love to apply to everything. Sure. And, and, and you're right about other languages. In some languages, they have multiple different words that are different kinds of love. But in English, we just have love. So we use the word love on everything. It's like the ultimate adjective, right? And this is part of where the complication begins. And then we go from defining it, language, and start moving through different cultural aspects that take the word and do all kinds of fun things with it. Mm -hmm. So then we move on into, say, media, music, and the amount of songs in history that have been used with titles for love. Half of them come from Van Halen, by the way. Really? <laughs> no, I'm convinced that I love Van Halen. Love Van Halen. But if you look at their songs, like love is in like half the titles. So what's the like most popular song that comes to mind that has love in the title that just instantly pops into your brain? 
Uh, well, well, this one actually isn't Van Halen, but that song I Want to Know What Love Is, Foreigner. <laughs> I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. <laughs> I think it is Foreigner. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that one just jumps in my mind because that's the question. I want to know. So, that, I, I, like, what is it? <laughs> Van Halen has the same questions like, you know, how do I know when it's love? Yeah. And I, for me, as I grew up in the Top Gun era, <laughs> so the whole you lost that loving feeling when oh, when Righteous Goose Brothers. is singing that in yeah. the bar, like yeah. it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, whole it does right get there. better, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was entertaining. <laughs> but, There's so many different songs though that that try to capture this, but none of the, the songs answer the question. Right, they always ask it. Right, you notice that. Yeah, like, and then, I want to know what it is or what is it? How do we find it? How do we know what it is? But no one seems to know the answer, Ben. Exactly. It seems very elusive. It does. And then we'll just lump on top of that. Uh, we'll go past music to film uh-huh. or television shows. All of the different aspects and ways it's been portrayed to us throughout history. And uh, you come away feeling like it's very, very difficult to define it. Mm-hmm. Last piece being industry. We've talked about how fear and sex both sell and are commodities. Love is one as well. Oh, sure. And, and mostly sex is attached to love in this regard. Uh-huh. But billion dollar industries built around love itself. Hallmark mm-hmm. has made billions doing this. That's right. Valentine's Day as a holiday it has absolutely monetized love. Right. Yeah. And we and we wrote in the book that Hallmark, specifically the movies, because we know there's a lot of Hallmark movie watchers my wife out can there talk about those. Yeah. Yeah. My wife likes to watch them, too, <laughs> which by default, I end up watching them. Just admit it, Ben, you love the Hallmark I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I have a bit of an idealistic view of romance and love. <laughs> I, I won't I won't lie. I watch them and I go, man, I bet it could be like that somewhere on some planet. <laughs> At least in the movie, right? <laughs> and, what is it about us though that that gravitates to that? Because you are getting to something. The reality yeah. is, they make those movies and we watch them, you know, mm-hmm. and we're drawn to that. Why? It's, There's something about that. It speaks to some gap, yeah, potentially that people have in their ideas of of romantic love and uh-huh. what they long for. Because the truth is that everybody wants to be loved. We're built for it. We long for it. Mm-hmm. And yet it seems like moving through life, it's this elusive search right. for many that never gets fulfilled. How many people I've, I've had conversations with who have said that they've, they don't really know if they've ever been in love. And so they, they differentiate that from loving. Uh-huh. But the idea of having this close, intimate connection to somebody else, a lot of people are like, I don't know if I have that. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to find it, where to get it, what it looks like. And so I think it's, it is elusive and I think it's frustrating for people because they've heard about this thing, they've heard it in movies, they've heard it in songs, they've read it in poetry and in cards and see it in movies. Right. But they're like, how come I can't have that? And what, what if it's possible to have that? And, and so we're left because of that uh that truth of how it functions a lot of times or how it's, how it's come to function in our lives, we are, are left to refer to it with elusive language. Like right. you fall in love and you fall out of love. Right. And it's almost like when people fall out of love, there's no way to fall back into love. Yeah. And so we see massive divorce rates and sure. all these different things. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, and we've talked about this and we'll come back at this in the future, mm-hmm. is that if you fall in it, into it or out of it, it isn't love. 
Yeah. Because that's not what love is. Right. And part of the definition that we do buy mm-hmm. into is that it's something that is continual. Right. It's something that doesn't come and go with the day or the frustration or the happiness or the lack thereof. So even like we make vows at weddings, mm-hmm. you know, you make these covenants, these vows. Those are meant to be unconditional commitments that you're making to somebody. You take the Bible, for example. It says that you know there's faith, hope, and love, right. the big three. Right. But the greatest of these is love. And the question is, why is love greater than, than faith and exactly. hope? And the answer is because it lasts forever. Yeah, and, would, and even beyond that, too, like underneath that reality that it does last forever, what is so substantial about right. love as you begin to understand its different facets that a statement like that could be made? Right. So the function of this discussion today is we don't want to shortchange the cultural complexity and discussion on love and just run past it mm-hmm. to a place of, okay, we're going to define it for you and operate from there. Right. That would not be helpful. Like It is important for us to move through this discussion the way that we are. And so we have to deal with what we're facing in culture related to the conversation about love. Mm-hmm. And primarily what we face is a cultural definition of love is that it has no definition. Right. Like when I go back to the statement of love is love, it's like, well, what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. And we found ourselves in a place that people have been, uh, dare I use the word indoctrinated to believe that we define things like love however we want. Mm-hmm. But this is the first challenge with that. If that is actually true, if you can define love however you want, then it should be easy to find, right? You think so? But the problem is, is that it can be different each day, right? It's not only like defining it. It's like, what does it mean tomorrow and the day after that? And everyone feels like it's it's a constantly moving target. And that's part of the frustration is like, once you feel like you have a definition, it seems to change the next day. Yeah. So is there anything that we can hold on to that is substantive, when it comes to a definition, a concept of love that could be sort of consistent. And I think that's something we've been wrestling with because a lot of what you get in the world is is stunningly inconsistent. Yeah, and so the two problems that arise when we have a lack of definition of love is first is there's no agreement on what it means and it creates confusion and misconceptions. Mm-hmm. The second thing that happens is there's inconsistency and we end up looking for love in all the wrong places. There was right. a song written about that, right? Isn't that Rolling Stones? Yeah. That's not right. It's, no, it's it was it's Wookin' Panub. <laughs> <laughs> I think the little rascal sang it. Looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> looking for love. I don't remember who it was. Waylon Jennings? Maybe. Whoa, I, that's out of left field. I, I'm sorry. All I can think of is Eddie Murphy saying, you know, looking for Panub. Dude, if I got that right, yeah. I get a gold star. Well, I'm sure our listeners will let us know. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the truth. You end up searching to try to define love, yeah. figure it out. Yep. And where we end up when we do that is we use our emotions as a gauge mm-hmm. to define love for us. Mm-hmm. And we end up in this romantic uh, hovering pattern Mm -hmm. just circling the airport and we never land. Right. Because we don't know what we're really looking for. We can't see the lights on the runway, Mm -hmm. per se. That was a really good illustration. Just came to mind right now. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) But that that is what we end up doing. We we just are endlessly circling, trying to figure it out. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And where we do end up landing is on infatuation. Yeah. What we think love is, is this passionate flood of emotions and feelings that we have toward another person Mm -hmm. that really is infatuation. It's not necessarily the kind of love that takes you the the long distance in relationships. Because let's be fair about infatuation. It's pretty amazing and good. Mm -hmm. It's fun when relationships start like that. But relationships change and they're supposed to change. That's right. They have different phases and stages. And and infatuation is not something that um, is supposed to happen over the long course, especially in the way that mm-hmm. it happens in the early stages, mm-hmm. over the long course of a relationship like a marriage. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything to say about that? No, I agree. I'm with you on that one. I, I think it'd be good to kind of get into... Um, some of the ways maybe the world has tried to define love for us or try to explain it to us that are unsatisfying. You know, like the, to me, the world has done a pretty bad job of selling love. Yeah. And they're, they're actually, they're trying to sell you all various renditions of it. Typically romantic and mushy. You know, typically when you hear about love, it's always in the context of like like romantic love. Yeah. But we've already spent time on this. Love is more than just romance. That is one sliver of love. Love is actually... To want, know, and do what is in the best interest of another person. Right. We talk about this. So that that expresses like um, sacrifice, expresses like selflessness. There's there's something deep about that that the world is not telling us. So when it's trying to sell you love, it's telling you to go find it, you know, like in a shallow relationship at a bar. Yeah. Or to go try to find it <clears throat> on a dating website. Or to go and try to find it in, um, you know, uh, casual friendship. Mm-hmm. The reality is that there's more to it than that. And so actually on page 112 on day six, we actually talk about four misleading qualities about how the world tries to sell us love. And one of them we kind of already touched on, but let's get into a little bit more, is this idea of undefined. Mm -hmm. To the world, love is undefined. Love is just love. And here's what we say about it. We say love can be whatever you want it to be. There's no single definition. So your quest for love has no map. How can you know if you found love if you can't define what it is? Yeah, or how would you ever know that the person you're sitting sitting across from you who you claim to love loves you back if they have a different definition than you have? Right. You would have to have the exact same definition in the same way for it to actually translate. Yeah. And and the truth is most people don't agree. And and we'll get to this, you know, in the next three of them actually dig deeper on yeah, this one. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why we find it difficult to define because a lot of times it's 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 self-centered, you know, really. The, the desire is how you make me feel. Mm-hmm. It's what you do for me. Right. So that's why it can never, it's hard to agree upon something when it's only what's in your own best interest. But like we said, yes. love is the other person's best interest. Yes. Not yours. So it's undefined because the world says that you get to define love. It's what you need and you want. But that's exactly the opposite of what true love is. And we've talked about in previous podcasts the complication with us being the end authority on all things. Right. We don't tend to come up with the best definitions. No, we don't. We, we really stink at it. You know? <laughs> and so we, we continue to try. But the world says that love has no definition because it's whatever you want it to be. In mm-hmm. other words, love is totally subjective. But let me just say that that's not true. That's a big fat lie. Love is not subjective. In fact, love is very objective. Mm. It's something we all can agree on. 
And so at least Ben and I agree on the definition. I mean, we're two guys sitting in the studio. I mean, you're kind of poking a bear here. Well, let's poke the bear. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who's the bear? We'll poke the bear. Poke, poke, poke. The bear needs to be poked sometimes. And here we go. Love is not left up to your own devices. There, there is, um, there's a definition for love that stands outside of our own opinion. Yeah. And that's what we're getting at. So the world says it's undefined. What we're saying is that's wrong. It is defined. Yes. And we gave you a definition to know, want, and do what is in the best interest of another person. And it's been defined. And the way we know what love is is because it has been defined. Right. And it stands outside of us. That's why we agree upon it. That's why we all long for it and yeah. want it. Yeah. And, and honestly, if we have a definition that's outside of all of us, we can agree on it. Mm-hmm. Because if I come up with the definition, then you can disagree with me. But what if none of us came up with the definition? What if it came from somebody else outside of us? Right. Maybe, as we've talked about in other podcasts, the higher power uh-huh. or maybe the God of the Bible. Uh-huh. If, it, if it came to us and was delegated to us, then we don't get to argue about it. Right. Because it's not an opinion. And I think what people run up against is they kind of know this already. Right. But they don't like the definition. Yeah, I, I, listen. I, every For time, no, because of number two here, right? Well, it, exactly. People don't like it because it, it's it's not what they want. Right. They want love to be all about them. Mm-hmm. They want love to be about themselves and making themselves happy. The idea of loving somebody else and not worrying about your own satisfaction is the answer. But the world doesn't sell that and people don't want that. And when we do make love all about ourselves, the way we gauge if we're experiencing love is purely by how we feel. That's right. And so number two here is it's self-serving. We make love self-serving. Tell us about that. That Because love is about emotions, we seek to experience love rather than to give it. We, we all want to feel loved, but we're, not, but we're not usually interested in sacrificing our own interests for the sake of making others feel loved. I would add to this as well, if someone out of love does something to us that we don't agree with or is hard for us to handle, we view that as not being loving because it doesn't make us feel good. This is the problem with emotions being the sole source of determining whether something's true or real or right. In in this case, with love. That's right. I mean, one of the great misnomers is how many times do people say, you know, I, I know I'm in love with this person or I love this person because the way they make me feel. Yeah. This is I hear this all the time. Mm-hmm. The classic is from the movie, Jerry Maguire, right? <laughs> oh, no. You ready? Here we go. You complete me. <laughs> it's me. It's about me. <laughs> Listen, folks, if you really believe love is all about you, you are missing the point of love. And in fact, that's one way not to experience love. All that is selfishness. It's all about me. And how many people, and Ben, you and I, we do mm-hmm. marriage counseling. We yeah. have lots of these sessions with people. And I, we can tell you from personal experience that that kind of self-serving mm-hmm. definition of love destroys marriages, destroys relationships, because it really is treated like a contract. Mm-hmm. They, I will love you if you love me first. If you love me well, I'll love you well. That's, that is not healthy. In fact, that leads into number three. Yeah. Number three is conditional. And the realities of the world's form of love is entirely conditional. Love is a contract. It's like we have to mutually agree that we're going to love 50% each of us. Yeah, and I think this is a really interesting one because we, I'm stepping out ahead into the book a little ways. 
we do deal with this concept of unconditional and conditional love later in the book in an interesting way. The kind of conditions we're talking about here are the ones that are driven by self-service, right. like in, in our own interests. Yeah. You, re- you reference a contract, and when you make love contractual, it is a big problem. It is. And, and what's unfortunate about this, I saw a, a statement the other day. It was actually sent to me in an email. Um, and this is a statement that's be- growing in popularity, that there's no greater hate than Christian love. Wow. And I'm like, really, how did we get there? Anybody that would make that statement, one, hasn't read the Bible. Right. And if they have read the Bible, they're reading it on their own terms. Or they've had right? a bad experience. Yeah. And, or Probably. they could be exactly right. Could be hurt yeah. by something because the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross yeah. was not hatred. Yeah. I don't know who could call that hatred. Well, that sacrifice was a selfless sacrifice. Right. And that fits the description. Conditional is interesting. Here's what we say about it. We write, we're encouraged to abandon those whom we disagree with or those who aren't respectful or kind to us. We love others as long as they've earned it, as long as they don't hurt our feelings or as long as we agree with their beliefs and their lifestyle. Yeah. And so what we're talking about here is giving or withholding love. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about conditions of love. Right. There are some conditions to love, and we will get into that way further down the road in, in future podcasts. Right. But we want to be clear about that. Yeah, here. yeah. These are things that you have to do for for us to have love, for us to be loved, and love therefore um, can be broken. You can fall in and out of it, which explains why we talk so much about falling in and out of love, because there's conditions. Mm-hmm. And so we, we we do these conditions. I mean, quite honestly, you know, you know, in marriage we have this divorce excuse called irreconcilable differences, <laughs> which can be anything. All right. But you know what those are? Conditions. Mm-hmm. That I have a set of conditions that I expect you to fulfill. And if you don't fulfill those conditions, like what if my condition was that you need to bring me a TV dinner, you know, every night. And if you don't do that, you're not filling your condition and therefore we can divorce. That could be irreconcilable. The reality is this gets silly. But if love <laughs> is conditional like that and it's based on a various condition or stipulation that you have to meet or exceed, then we're setting ourselves up for failure in all of our relationships. Why do we treat love with conditions? There aren't conditions to love. Love by nature is, and here's the word that we use it a lot flippantly, by the way, mm-hmm. unconditional. Yeah. Unconditional. Now we choose a different word. And we'll share that in future episodes. Right. But unconditional love means literally no conditions. Right. There's nothing you can do right or wrong to change how I feel about you. But that's not how we live our lives, is it, Ben? Yeah, it's not. And so to set set a tone, I guess, process it for yourself if you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. That do you really love unconditionally? If if it means that love has no conditions. Now, we're not going to get into that now, but right. the, the question is, do you really love unconditionally? Is, is that actually possible? I would say that in 99% of our relationships, it's not. And here's the reason why. I mean, how, how many times do we, do we leave a relationship in the dust? How, how many relationships have you left in the dust? I'm right. asking you, the listener. People that you, you had a relationship once, but they did something, they failed you, they hurt you, they betrayed you, whatever happened. It was a condition that was broken, and therefore that love that you shared supposedly is no longer. This is true of all the exes, right? The ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-husband, ex-wife. I loved them, and then I didn't. That's because you had conditions. Certain conditions that you had created that either went unmet 
or they were broken. Yeah. And so if you go into any relationship with conditions and the love that you, you, you ascribe that relationship is based on a prenup, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. So conditional love is no such thing. And I would say that there's a lot of what's happening too is people come into marriage or relationships with expectations they need met. Right. And these are non-negotiable. Right. And this happens over a period of time. Sometimes these go uncommunicated. A lot of times they don't mm-hmm. and don't get communicated in the relationship. And over time, you be, grow more and more disappointed and yeah. resentful. And yeah. then there's a point of no return. I've, I've had conversations with people when they've actually said this. They said, you know what? In our marriage or our relationship, I put in my 50%. <laughs> How come he doesn't put in his 50%? So I said, okay, so hold on a second. You'll, you're only going to give 50%. And love, you love it. And they have to give 50 for you guys to meet, for you two to have love. Mm. You have to give your 50 and they have to give your 50. What happens if they give 45? Mm-hmm. You're missing each other by 5%. You got a problem. I said, that's not how love works. Love is not a 50-50. That's a contract. Yeah. That's a business deal. In a relationship, there's times where you love 90%. The other person's loving you 10%. And then vice versa. It depends on the situation you find yourself in in life. And sometimes, God forbid, your, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your, your wife, something happens to them and they need you to care for them. Then you can say, well, I do most of the loving in our relationship. Yes, you will. And yes, you do. That's what love is. Love is not a 50-50 agreement. And I think it's just reflective of how flippant we are with the vows that we take yeah. when people get married. If you do traditional vows, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, yeah. that is not a 50-50 oh, love. There are people I've talked to who said, you know what, I won't, um, I won't have an affair if my spouse doesn't. <laughs> so like they're basically saying, I'll meet them halfway. Like if they don't do it, I won't do it. But that's completely the wrong attitude. Mm. The reality is I won't cheat on my spouse because I love my spouse. Mm-hmm. I hope they would never cheat on me. Yeah, it's but not decision, in their best interest exactly. for me to cheat on them. And so people, it's it's so ridiculous that people go into contract relationships and, and call it love. It's not. Call it what it is. It's a contract. It's a business transaction. And if that's the case, you don't have love. You have something else, affection, attraction, But don't call it love, right? Don't call it love. So this leads us to the fourth one, which is undiscerned. We use the word undiscerning, Mm -hmm. but I want to add an aspect to this because to really love well, you have to be wise. Yeah. You have to be able to discern what love is and how it functions and works. Mm -hmm. And then you you give yourself to that and you allow it to govern you to teach and train you how to love well. Yeah. And so in here we write loving others by cultural definition uh, means accepting everything they do or don't believe mm-hmm. because we view love as conditional. If love is conditional, then we must only love those who are acceptable. Exactly. Right. The opposite of an undiscerning person as a wise person and to really know how to love, we have to be wise. Mm -hmm. If we simply say, we're going to accept everything. What if something someone does is foolish? What if something that someone does claiming to love you is actually very harmful to you? Yeah. But we're supposed to accept all things. How does that work? Yeah. You ever heard the phrase tough love? I mean, we, you know, we do this with our parenting. Um, I love my children. Ben, you love your children, but we discipline them. Right. It's not fun. And they're mad at us. Sometimes they even hate us. 
because you <laughs> dare to discipline. How dare you do this to me? I mean, this little joke about joining the parent club and your kid says, I hate you. You're like, okay, you finally made the parent club. <laughs> All these parents, we share this in common, the relationship that we have to practice tough love with our kids. In every relationship, the truth is if you love somebody, you will not look blindly at everything in their lives. You will look at what's in their best interests. So that means if they're doing something or allowing something to be done to them that's destructive, you speak up, even if they're going to get mad about it. Even if they're going to maybe push you out of their lives, the idea is that love is not blind. Right. Love is able to discern what meets the need of the moment, what serves the interests of that person, and is willing to do the hard thing. Yeah, for the purpose of their overall well-being. Right. Or what is in their best interest. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, as we all know and would agree upon, I think if we put a thousand people in a room and ask them the question, mm-hmm. are there things people that people do in their lives that are not in their best interest and do not contribute to their well-being that you'd look at and go, yeah. they probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. I think we'd all agree on that kind of sentiment. Yeah. And it, but this cuts the other way too. So this is like the person, and this is one of the great misnomers in our culture is the person who says, unless you love everything about me, you don't love me, which is bogus. Right. The reality is you might have things in your life that are unhealthy, that are destructive, that are broken, that are harmful. And to just accept all of that and, and, and to not dislike any of that yeah. is not loving you. The reality is those who love you should be pointing out to you the destructive things in your life. And it's not fair for you to say, unless you love everything about me, you don't love me. And this happens a lot in a lot of relationships, kids and parents. Mm-hmm. If, if the parents... Um, are upset about something the kid is doing or involved in. And the kid says, well, if you don't love that about me, you don't love me. Right. That's wrong. The parent does love you. And that's why they're telling you about this. Yeah. And, and this brings us back to the purpose of this podcast, right? We today, we are working through the cultural complexities with trying to define love. Right. And if we originate out of a place that love is love and is defined however we want it to be that creates incredibly huge problems to overcome. Mm-hmm. Often when I'm talking about the cultural view of love, I'll say that in our day and time, the way love is defined is if you love me, you'll accept me and allow me to do whatever I wish. Right. And if you don't allow me to do whatever I wish, you don't, you don't, and then don't accept me. You don't love me. That's right. Right. You actually hate me mm-hmm. and you're a bigot and there's all kinds of other oh, language absolutely. that comes with it. Right. Yeah. And I think until we're able to allow ourselves, if we really want to learn how to love, this goes to another cultural assumption that we make just because we're human, we innately know how to love. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that that's not true. That's right. Cause if that Clearly. was true, <laughs> the world would be a very different place. Right. We don't innately know how to love. So a position of humility going, I have a lot to learn on this mm-hmm. is one that we probably want to take. And so as we transition in this book to looking more at love and how it's defined, that's what we want to do. We want to expand your view mm-hmm. beyond the cultural definition. On page 109, we talk about this and it says love is more than emotion. It is the structure for living all of life. Mm-hmm. And we say, have you ever thought about love as foundational for all aspects of your life? Mm-hmm. Not just romance, not yeah. just your emotional state, but that love functions in every aspect of your life across the board and plays a role. Mm-hmm. Just suggesting that probably for most people feels hard to access. Yeah. How, how, what does that look like? And 
And what does that mean? And and so we're going to help you with that. That's part of our role here is to unpack this for you as we go through the book. And we want to challenge you with that. We want to challenge you to expand your view on love. And we've given you a definition already. We continue to reference it. And we will. Love is to know, want, and do what's in the best interest of another person. This is functional and foundation for living all of life. So for intents and purposes here, I would just simply reiterate on those four definitions. This is what love is. It is defined. There's a definition. Right. Number two, it is selfless. Number three, it is unconditional. And number four, it is discerning or wise, to use yeah. the word. Yeah. So what we want to do is give you some tools to say, okay, we talked about what love isn't, but this is what love is. Love is clearer than we think. Love, as you said, it's a way of life. It's a way of living. Yeah. It's not just something you do in your dating relationships. Love is how we live our lives. And when you live your life in love, real love, defined, selfless, unconditional, discerning love, there is great fulfillment, great flourishing, great vitality Mm -hmm. when we make that choice to live that way. And to conclude, until we get the necessary clarity that we need on this issue, and this is for anyone, societies, culture, uh, organizations, you will continue to spin your wheels in complexity and be bewildered looking for this elusive thing that we would call love, but we, we need it to function. Right. We need massive clarity on this, especially now in our current times. So we hope this discussion was helpful for you today and that you're enjoying the book Mega Life. Uh, if you don't have a copy, you can pick it up on Amazon. Uh, you can find it there and it will help you with uh, struggling with fear. It is something that continually people are reporting on these days in our world. And we hope that uh, you find this book that we just produced beneficial to you in this way. Again, we always appreciate you listener, you our listeners tuning in to the Growth Junkies podcast. And uh, we look forward to producing more content like for the like this for you in the future thanks for tuning in be with you next time thank you for listening to the growth junkies podcast go follow us on instagram and facebook to join the community and check out the four dimensions book on amazon or through our website loveandtransformation.org we also have a new book coming out soon so keep an eye out for that in the meantime continue growing